uh, Psalm 104, and uh, that's where we're going to be at this morning in Psalm 104. You can either dial it up on your phone if you have a scripture notebook uh, of the Psalms. You've got that as well to go through. I want to refer to this as well today. Uh, if you can do that and go through the Psalms with that, it's a good tool to use uh, in, in, in the Psalms. So we're in our, our Summer of the Psalms series, and uh, it's an exciting time for me. One of, Psalm 104 is a great, uh, great Psalm that I love to use. Uh, and so one of my favorite times uh, as a family, growing up with mom and dad and, and Jenny, I just got a chance to see Jenny on the weekend, so it was good. And uh, one of my favorite pastimes growing up was, was camping. Loved to go camping uh, with my parents. And uh, we were in Hickory, and we would go towards the mountains of western North Carolina. We would drive the Kirby Mountain Roads, and, and Jenny and I would be in the back, and they would kind of be doing like this, and curving around, the windows would be down, and you would hear the, you could feel the, the wind blowing into the car, uh, the cool summer breeze, or sometimes early fall breeze. You kind of get the picture there of what, what I was experiencing. And then we'd set up camp, and Dad would get the fire going, and you'd hear the, the smoke from the fire going, and then we'd, get, we'd start cooking hot dogs, and all that, all that kind of neat stuff. And we're just in the midst of God's creation. We were kind of at the base of a mountain. We saw the mountains kind of gradually go up there, just kind of look around and see all that God was doing. I appreciate those times so much in my life. And I think that's why I have a love for the outdoors in, in, in some ways. Uh, the hike, at least. And uh, remember, Dad also would take me on Lake Hickory uh, with my uncle, and we'd go fishing. We'd stay up late at night, and we'd uh, go fishing, catfishing by, by the lantern there. We had, a, we had a pontoon boat just kind of parked on the, the uh, shore there, and we'd hear the waves slap up against the boat and slap the boat, you know. And we'd just kind of reminisce and just enjoy God's creation. The crickets would be chirping, and, and uh, we'd catch a big fish every now and then. And it was It was exciting. And all these things were wonderful times for me that they could be smack dab in the middle of creation. And you just get a sense of the awe and the wonder uh, of a God who made it all. And even in my college years, I would go hiking and I got this kind of unique uh, waterproof Bible, if you will. It was, you know, it was pretty, it's like a hiker's Bible. And I'd pull out Psalm 104. And I would just read Psalm 104 and, and just read it because it spoke about creation in such, such a unique way. It was just awesome the way when, when I first encountered Psalm 104, I was like, wow, this is great. Why haven't I read this before? It's a great creation song. And that's what this is. It's a creation song. Uh, and it's simply a time when we praise the Lord, and it's just a, it's a, a beautiful creation song. And this morning, we're going to uh, see a psalmist praising the God of creation. Now, he's not going to be praising creation itself. We need to be careful there. Uh, but his focus is on the God of creation. And the fact that creation, what does it do? It points to the majesty and the glory of God himself, the creator of the universe. In our song this morning, we're going to see three characteristics of creation that point to the glory of God. Its magnificence points to God's greatness. Its vitality points to God's generosity. And finally, the intricacy of creation points to God's wisdom. Here's the first point. The magnificence of God, the magnificence of creation points to a God who is very great. I want to jump into Psalm 104. Watch this. It says this in verse 1. Bless the Lord. My soul bless the Lord. Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with majesty and splendor. 
He wraps himself in light as if it were a robe, spreading out the sky like a canopy, laying the beams of his palace on the waters above, making the clouds his chariot, walking on the wings of the wind, and making the winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He established the earth on its foundations. It will never be shaken. You covered it with the deep as if it were a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, the water fled. At the sound of your thunder, they hurried away. Mountains rose and valleys sank to the place you established for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. They will never cover the earth again. Love to read that. And just for me, in the mountains or on the coast, I love to whip that out and read that. Why? Because you glorifies God. God, this is who you are. This is what your creation is saying to me about you. Maybe you, you try that sometime. You're, you're, you're sitting on the beach. I know some of you are going to go to vacations. Try something different this year. Instead of just looking at the sunrise or instead of just enjoying the mountains or the sea or the coast, uh, pull out your phone and bring your little pocket Bible with you and bring out this song. Read, read the first few verses of this song. Watch what it does. It'll put, your, put things in perspective for you. It'll put things in perspective for you. It's just a, a wonderful, 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 wonderful thing. And, you know, we must understand several things here about what the psalmist is saying. He is commanding himself to bless the Lord. Hey, soul. Hey, you. It's time for you to bless God. Right? He's blessing you with all these things. It's time for you to bless the Lord. He's commanding himself to do this. Notice, again, he's not praising creation, but he's praising the creator. And I think sometimes we can get that mixed up. Uh, we can begin to all, all in wonder creation that we can so easily forget, hey, God, God made that. This is great. We're in the river here. The river's, uh, the river Chowan, Chowan River. And you, you're on the banks of it. You're, you're in the river. You're going down. You're just looking at God's creation. Don't forget, God's the one who made that. So what we need to do is pause and meditate, right? We've kind of lost the art or the discipline of meditating on the fact of who God is. Just meditate on his character. And what that means is, it's not something like you want to, we don't do that, okay, that's not meditation. What we do is, we pause. We, we think about the Lord in what he is reminding us of. God, you're great. We say things in our mind, we think things in our mind about who God is. That's meditation. We pause for a moment and quiet your spirit and meditate on the fact of who God is. We try that to quiet your spirit. And if you're in the midst of God's creation, well, what, what, what does it cause you? Number one, it causes you to hush. You hush. And, and number two, it causes you to listen, right? Well, what do you listen to? Sometimes uh, God will reward you with, with beautiful sounds of the animals, the creation, and all that, crickets or birds or whatever it is. And so God allows us to, we need to meditate uh, on that. So we, we begin to awe and wonder uh, at really who God is. God made that. And we see this in Scripture. Uh, sometimes people get it twisted. And Paul wrote about this, about people getting it twisted and getting it backwards, worshiping the creation rather than the creator. There in Romans 124, it says this, Therefore, God delivered them over into the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worship and serve, watch this, what has been created instead of the creator. Uh, who is praised forever. Amen. Again, we must be careful not to take these verses and psalms out of context, okay? Uh, they're very descriptive of God, literally. Uh, you know, we, we can't take them literally. The, the, the psalmist is using poetic language here uh, to describe the grandeur of the Lord God Almighty. And uh, 
the fact, it's very majestic. When I think of something majestic, uh, there's a picture here. There's a picture of a cathedral, right? We love cathedrals. This is a cathedral in uh, Austria. We got a chance to go to after it's kind of a few days after Moldova. And so you enter into this huge structure, right? What does it cause you to do? It causes you to look up. And that was the initial goal of the architect and the designers of this majestic building, this majestic cathedral. Now, we don't worship the building itself, and some people, you know, kind of get away with that. They, they kind of get it twisted. This caused us to look up to, wow, God, you're amazing. That was the goal of the architects. It's the same thing. That's why we have the church steeples. Why wouldn't that church with a steeple on it? It's not a, oh, look, there's a steeple. No, the point of it, architecturally speaking, was for us to look up at God. Well, what happens when we look up at God? It, it shows us that we uh, are needy people. We need God, amen? We need God. If there was ever a time that we need God, now, our country needs God. Our schools need God. Our children, our families need God. So this is just a reminder of us to look up and say, God, we need you so much. It's a wonderful thing. But it just draws your gaze. And uh, it's, it's a, you know, the psalm also, an interesting thing about the psalm that we're going to look at, the psalm follows creation. Uh, it loosely follows uh, the days of creation in Genesis. We're going to kind of work through this this morning. It's really unique. And I think that's what the psalmist was after when he was talking uh, in this way in Psalm 104. It literally follows the six days of creation. So verse verse 2a there uh, is the first day it was created. The first day it was created. Light was made on the first day. So that verse there, he wraps himself in light as if it were a robe. Right? It follows this passage in Genesis 1, 3 through 5. It says this. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light that it was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was a morning one day. Now, light here is a metaphor, okay? Light's a metaphor that represents everything pure. So if you want to mark down in your journals there, uh, day one, you can go to Psalm 104, verse 2, 8, day one. You can circle that and say, hey, this is day one, Genesis 1, 3 through 5, is what it kind of refers back to. It's loose, it's a loose kind of structure there. It's not, a uh, matter of fact, it's kind of a loose structure. One commentator was going after here, I think it's a, a good parallel. It makes a great parallel. Uh, light is a metaphor that represents everything pure and holy and righteous about God. That's what we say about God. So when we talk about the light, God is, God is light. The scripture says that, that, that God is light, but it does not say, watch this, it does not say that God is a light. Okay, there's a huge difference. God is not a light. We know from the teaching of scripture that God, God Almighty, God the Father, God is invisible. God is a spirit. And God is timeless. But the metaphor of light is appropriate throughout Scripture uh, to describe God. Why? Because He's completely without blemish. There's no darkness. There's no sin. There's no evil. He's pure. And so we use this metaphor of light to convey that. Even Jesus said this to himself in John 8, 12. He said, he said I am the light of the world. He didn't say I was a light. He said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of light. Walking was an idea of growing in maturity. As believers, we are to grow in maturity. We are to grow towards the light of Jesus. So it's what Jesus is calling his, uh, his disciples to. 
And also, John 1, 6-9 talks about this, but this this idea of light. It says, John would say this, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, this is not talking about a light. It's talking about the holiness and righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And that Jesus came to dispel a greater darkness that just, just not lights, but the darkness in our hearts is what the light was exposing. The spiritual darkness in our world. That's how we can say Jesus is the light. For our VBS this year, Elaine is working so hard to put together a wonderful day of Bible lessons, games, and skits uh, that communicate the fact, love this, that Jesus is the light and we are the light of the world, shining in the darkness. And uh, we can do that. You know, we can shine in the darkness of the world so prevalent right now. Uh, a city on the hill, our goal is to shine the light of Jesus in the darkness. That's such a message, if you'll agree with me, that our children need to hear. Our children need to hear that Jesus through them can, can shine in them. Our, as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, we can teach them to be lights in their world. You, you, you know as well as I do, our, our, our children, our schools, our students, they're being fed messages right now. Not everywhere, but in, in some pockets of America, the, the media would have to believe that they're being fed messages uh, and they're being fed lies from so many angles outside of the home. And so there is an intentional effort to change the, the thinking of our children by some. And that should alarm us. CRT, intersectionality. Uh, it, it, you know, our true identity, can I just say this? Our true identity is not based on race, but our true identity is based on Christ Jesus. Jesus loves all the little children. He unites all races. Amen? Amen. Jesus loves the little children, red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. What's happening now in our culture? We see that people are calling evil good. And people are calling good evil. So what do we do? Well, we do simple things like our VPS. We teach our children about Jesus Christ and how he, he is the light of the world. And we, uh, as parents and, and as influencers, can influence our People in our home for the sake of the gospel, that they can go out into the culture and be culture warriors and be lights to, to a generation that is not hearing the truth. God's calling us to do that. And we can say, what about a church? Yes, we are taking a stand and we're doing that. Isaiah 5.20 says this. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So what do you do with a Savior who, who emanates light? Okay, here's Jesus and he's, he's bright, he's kind of walking around. He's, you know, maybe we have this, this wrong image in our head of Jesus who's just kind of glowing, right? This glowing Savior, this glowing Jesus. Well, glowing Jesus doesn't really do anything, right? That's not the point. And the point is not a, a, a glowing Jesus. Uh, but if you have a Savior who can make you righteous, watch this, through faith in Christ without blemish or stain or sin, that's the kind of light and holiness that we need. That's what we need. 
Colossians 1.15 says this of Jesus and God. It says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Talking about Jesus resurrecting from the dead. The God the Father, the, the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of, of who God is. I love that. So in seeing that God wraps himself in light, we, we sing about that. The psalmist is showing how pure, how holy, how righteous, and how great that God is. God is supreme. He is above all. He is the greatest of great. He is God Almighty. And we should worship Him. Now we move on to, to day two of, of, of Genesis and kind of, kind of how it's looking at it in Psalm 104. Watch this. Uh, this is talking about the firmament that divides the water back in Genesis. But it says this He wraps himself in light as if it were a robe. Doesn't mean that God actually wears a robe, right? Uh, Spreading out the sky like a canopy, laying the beams of his palace on the waters above. Doesn't mean that he has a natural palace with beams, okay? Uh, but he's describing the grandeur and the majesty of who God is. Uh, making the clouds his chariots, walking on the wings of the wind, making the winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. Look what Genesis 1 6 through 8 says. Then God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters, separating water from water. So God made the expanses, separated the water under the expanses from the water above the, uh, above the expanses. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. And evening came and then morning the second day. So when we say that he's uh, on the waters above, he's talking about the clouds. God is above us in every way. And so he's looking down on earth, on his creation. That's what it means when he's saying that. So the psalmist is just recounting that. He's giving metaphors of laying the beams of his canopy, and you know, God doesn't have a canopy. But God's looking down, he's above it all. Then we go on to day three. Land and water were distinct there in, in, uh, in verses five through nine, and vegetation and trees, verses 14 through 17 of Psalm 100. Uh, and we see this. Uh, Genesis 1, 9 through 10, it says this, Then God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so, and God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the water he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Now look at what verse 5 through 9 of Psalm 104 says. Watch this. He establishes the earth on its foundations. It will never be shaken. You covered it with a deep as if it were a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, the water fled. At the sound of your thunder, they hurried away. Mountains rose and valleys sank to the place you established for them. You said a battery they cannot cross, they will never cover the earth again. I love how the psalmist just takes this us through creation, the story of creation. It's a great thing to read the psalms when you're out in the midst of creation. It's a, a, a great thing to do. And so verse 9 in their Psalm 104 speaks of the water not going so far. And, and what, what reminds us of the fact that the earth is never going to be flooded again? Rainbow. rainbow. Okay, very simple rainbow. You might see a rainbow recently. Somebody. So we had a rainbow on Friday. I think we saw a rainbow on Friday. Here's a picture of a rainbow on Friday. Uh, there's Jacob there. Hey, buddy. Uh, so there's a huge rainbow. There's a huge rainbow in a husky. I can't remember what time it was. It was, you know, evening-ish. There's a rainbow. Uh, and at certain points, uh, there is... God is reminding us about his, his glory, His creation, His promise to never destroy the earth again through water. And Jacob and I were having a conversation about this. And uh, he was saying, you know, Dad, it's interesting that sometimes folks just kind of write this off with 
in a scientific explanation about how uh, the water hits the light prismatically via, via prisms and, and angles and that kind of thing. But he said, what I don't get sometimes, Dad, is how they, they, they forget that this is from God. This is showing who God is. God is communicating through us this miracle of the rainbow. And he's promising to us, I love my creation. I'm never going to flood the earth again. Here is my message to you, my rainbow of love. We need to reclaim the colors of the rainbow, amen? Because it's a, it's a rainbow of promise. It's not a rainbow of evil or sin. It's a rainbow of color of God's promise. And we can claim that and say, yes, God loves us. It's a show of God's love. It's a great testimony. You have a good conversation about that. So the magnificence of God's creation points to a great God. And also, the vitality of creation points to a God who is very generous. Watch this through verse 10 of Psalm 104. It says this, He causes the springs to gush in their valleys. They flow between the mountains. They supply water for every wild beast. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky live beside the springs. They make their voices heard among the foilers. Oh, this language. He waters the mountains from its palace. The earth is satisfied by the fruit of your labor. He causes grass to grow for the livestock. And he and provides crops for man to cultivate, producing food from the earth. Wine that makes the human heart glad, making his face shine with oil, and bread that sustains human hearts. The trees of the Lord flourish, the cedars of Lebanon he planted. There the birds make their nests. Storks make their homes in the pine trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The cliffs are a refuge for hyraxes. He made the moon to mark the festivals. The sun knows where to set. You bring darkness and it becomes night. When all the forest animals stir, the young lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises, they go back and lie down in their dens and man goes out to his work and his labor until evening. How countless are your works, Lord. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. And here we kind of go through uh, day four of Genesis uh, 1, 4, 14 through 19, and day five, creatures of the sea there. And uh, we'll, we'll go through all of those. But we understand that he, the timekeepers, he points out that the fact that timekeepers, the sun and the moon are timekeepers. It's just a wonderful song there. To say, God, you are wise. You are wise in sustaining life. Not only because uh, does he give us life, what does he do? He sustains us. He does. He gives us food to sustain us. We need the breath in our lungs. You know, we know from Jesus there that he, he says, hey, don't worry about these things. You worry about what you're going to eat. I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. That's what I'm going to get my next meal from? Matthew 6, 25 to 36 says this. Uh, Matthew 6, 25 says this. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. We're kind of moving on there, girls. Uh, what you will eat, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body. What you will wear. Isn't life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Instead of the birds of the sky, they don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. There's a song out now that says, uh, He takes good care of me. Maybe you've heard it right yet. He takes good care of me. That's, that's, that, that, that's, we need that right now. We need to hear that message right now. But God will take care of you. Are you concerned that, about your health? Are you concerned about your finances? God's going to take care of you. Are you concerned about your, your family member that they're not doing A, B, C, or B? God's going to take care of you. It's a trust. We need to trust God. He's going to take care of us. He takes care of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. He's going to take care of us. And we kind of fret and worry, you know, 
my clothes are wearing out or whatever. You know, my car's out of gas. God's going to take care of you. He takes care of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. He's going to take care of us. First 30 says this. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, oh, you of little faith? God's generous. He's, he's saying, I, I give you this. I give you so much. He takes care of us. He's generous to take care of you and I. But also, the intricacy of creation points to a God who is very wise. It says, here is a sea, vast and wide, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There, there the ships move about, and Leviathan, big creature there, which you formed to play there. All of them wait for you to give them food at the right time. How many of us wait on food? We want it now, now, now. This is such a culture. God forgive us that we don't wait. They wait on you to give them their, their food at the right time. When you give it to them, they gather it. When you open your hand, they're satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they're terrified. When you take away the breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your breath, they are created. When you renew the surface of the ground, may the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He looks at the earth and it trembles. He touches the mountains and they pour out smoke. I will sing to the Lord all of my life. I will sing praise to my God while I live. May my meditation, what's that word? May my meditation be pleasing to him. I will rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. May sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked people be no more. My soul, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. This talks about, you know, following day six in Genesis. It goes over day six. It talks about the animals and all It's unique how it follows the days of creation. I'm going to leave you with this. I want to show you something, but I also want you to think about this, how intricate creation is. If you can do one thing for me before I show the video, I'm going to look at your hands. Look at your, look at your fingers. Put your kind of fingers in front of your face for a moment. And maybe you can see your fingerprints. I, I can't see my fingerprints. Maybe you can see yours. Or you can at least feel the grippiness of your fingers. That's a fingerprint. You are uniquely made by God. Everybody has a unique fingerprint, right? There's purpose in your fingerprints. What do we use our fingerprints for? for? Grab stuff, hopefully. Hold on to stuff. God knew that we needed to hang on to stuff. Okay? There's purpose in that. It's intricate. It's so small. That didn't happen by chance. Okay? We don't want, don't want to get into a debate or uh, things like that. But if God is in the midst of his creation. How could we not look at that and say, yes, God made me. Wow. Ooh, God made me. What do I do now? I respond, I meditate on God, my Savior, God, my Creator. I, yes, I, we have a responsibility to, to move towards God because why He made us. God blessed us, so we need to bless other people and respond with what He's given us. I want you to watch this video just a moment of how God has made creation. He's so intricate, and He's a, he's a great God. And then we're going to pray and respond to God who is so great and amazing, amazing God. Watch this video. 